this whole event is intended to be in some way, shape, or form a representation on a volunteer basis of the fight that people go through with it that they're not volunteering for. From Haymakers for Hope, this is not every fight ends at the bell. Haymakers for Hope exists to knock out cancer the only way we know how. Fighting for a cure through charity boxing. Thanks to generous supporters and more than 1,000 ass-kicking do-gooders, Haymakers has raised over $22 million for cancer research, care, awareness, and survivorship. But the March Towards a Cure continues long after the last bell of each event. I'm Julie Kelly. I'm Todd Buster Paris. We know firsthand because we are not just your hosts, we are also survivors. On this podcast, we will highlight the stories of fighters, survivors, organizations, and supporters. Not every fight ends at the bell. Round one. On this episode, we speak with Reed Eichelberger. Reed fought in our 2016 Rock and Rumble event at the House of Blues in Boston. Training out of Everybody Fights, he raised over $12,000. Reed, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So the first question that we always ask on the show is, how did you hear about Haymakers? I heard about Haymakers through Everybody Fights. So Haymakers started partnering with Everybody Fights in Boston. Um, and just to, Everybody Fights is a gym in Boston. It's a gym Back in Boston. Then it, was, it was known as the club by George Foreman. Yes, I, I have to be reminded that. Yes, it was. It was now, now it is It is called Everybody Fights. That's right. The big gym. And I, was, I was working part-time there when Haymakers originally partnered up and, and started having fighters train out of there. And I think I applied for Haymakers like every year for three or four years straight. We hear that a lot. A lot of people, they apply, they keep applying. Did you box before Haymakers? Very, very recreationally, right? Like I grew up, we had a heavy bag in, and a speed bag in the garage. You know, I ended up coaching part-time at Everybody Fights. So I had a very recreational understanding of the punches and, and basic movements. And, and that was the extent of what I did. I used it for exercise. Okay. So you were an exercise boxer. So you hadn't done the, for lack of a better word, the combat portion of boxing. No. So when you got started doing that part, what was that like for you? When I got into Haymakers, I dove in both feet. I started immediately training with the, the end in mind, right? It becomes very real that you have to get in the ring in four months, you know? So I, I, I got in there. Everybody Fights partnered us up. I ended up being partnered with two different trainers, one of them being more uh, conditioning focused and one of them okay. being, being more technically focused. So pretty much six days a week, I was in the gym sometimes twice a day. Um, right. And oftentimes I'd get my conditioning in before work. I, I, at the time I had a stay at home or work from home sales job. This is years ago. We were ahead of the curve on that, but would go in and work out in the morning, get my conditioning in, come back at night and train with my technical coach to work on just sharpening the blade. Who was your technical coach? Uh, his name was Brandon Milby. He definitely gave me a much deeper understanding of the sport, of the sweet science, of the teeny little movements and, and ways to, to, to leverage them um, that I still, so I still use a lot of that stuff today. How was your relationship with him through the training? Uh, it was great. Uh, you know, I think to 
go through that that type of shared experience, especially for me, right? It's, it's my one and only amateur fight. I think I will fight right. again in the future, but for him to be a part of that for me is, is huge. So, you know, Brandon's a pretty old school guy. I, I don't regularly keep in touch with him anymore, but when I do, it's like best friends reuniting, right? Big hugs. How you been? We catch up, you know, he was involved in one of the coolest things I've ever done. And he was, he was, uh, you know, somebody who, who really impacted the entire experience. There's a very special bond between between boxer and coach. Mm -hmm. And Todd, I mean, you know very, very well firsthand as somebody who is a boxing coach and instructor and trainer and has somebody who's also coached a lot of people for their first bout. And I can speak on on for hours personally on my on my connections as well. So there is that and people underestimate or don't really realize the bond that you create with your coach. So we understand. But yeah, Brandon's a great one. So I'm glad that you have that you have that bond yeah, with him. Sure. And Reed, thinking of the training, uh, was there a, any particular boxer that you would either inside the gym or outside the gym that you would watch that you would sort of emulate or try to like steal things from? Um, well, I, 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 a lot of things come to mind, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Growing up in the in the eighties and nineties, I was a huge Mike Tyson fan. Um, I know it. So, I know it. so the the head movement was like, honestly, I, at a certain point, um, Kevin Cobbs, who who you know, who's in and out yep. of everybody fights in the club, used to say, "You have a gift, and it's head movement." And I think it came naturally from like I just watched Mike Tyson do it, right? And I, I think it came pretty naturally. So there was that, and then I think. In my own mind, the same year that I fought, Blake Best fought, and he's a really good athlete, somebody who, you know, I could have almost seen myself getting in the ring with as an opponent. You know what I mean? We sparred sometimes, so so I don't even think he knows this, but he was a huge source of motivation for me to make sure that my my training was keeping up, if not exceeding his, and, and my skills were as well. Right. You know, we, we both played collegiate lacrosse and things like that. Him at a better, more competitive school than me. So I had a little chip on my shoulder that he, he doesn't know that was, <laughs> that was motivating me. Well, now he knows. Yeah. <laughs> the, that's what training partners yeah. are for. Yeah. They're supposed to drive Try. you to be your best. Yeah. That's what, it's, it's always great when you have a training partner because that's so true. They drive you. You, you. you know, it's a friendly competition, but it's still a competition. <laughs> and the... The Kevin Cobb compliment. So as um, Reed had said, Kevin's one of the trainers and he always helps out with Haymakers, always uh, the Boston program, always has boxers in the Boston program. A compliment like that from Kevin, really, that's got to carry a lot of weight. So I and I know that Kevin's probably listening. <laughs> I have the utmost respect for Kevin Cobbs. I think he's an incredible trainer. I, I have yet to beat him in terms of <laughs> my boxers versus his boxers. So I, I, I always, after everybody, he's so gracious in victory and he always comes over. He's like, really great job. He's such a good guy. Eats me up a little inside, but he's <laughs> such a good guy. So that, that's gotta be, that's a really great compliment. Yeah. Um, 100%. And I think it came either slightly before or slightly after he dropped me with a body shot during sparring. So, um, <laughs> I think they were both a, a blessing. Yes. Nice. Yes. I was thankful for both, um, both of those compliments, I guess you yeah, can say. Let's, let's move into the actual fight night. Sure. And I, I watched your fight, which is on the Haymakers YouTube page. And mm -hmm. I, it was, I knew it was Tyson. You had Tyson-esque movement, amazing head movement, forward momentum. You did, it was just really a great lesson in how to move one's head. 
what was it like? So you're at the House of Blues since mm-hmm. your first amateur fight. What was it like for you being in the House of Blues, being in front of a crowd? I mean, to start, I would say, you know, you go through this, this training, right? I think midway through training, I was in the, be- the best shape of my life, hands down, mm-hmm. right? And, and believed I, I couldn't get tired. And then you, you tailor off your training, uh, you know, a week or two before the fight. So you're, you're strong. And I did that. And then I stepped into the ring and immediately there was cement in my shoes and my, my legs were tied. It's, it's, it's incredible. Right. And then, you know, you look, look around when you have a moment, you try and block it out, but you realize that there are thousands of people and, and, you know, dozens of your friends and, and family, and especially coming, having trained at everybody fights. I think that year we had eight or nine, maybe even 10 fighters fighting. So like, half of everybody fights is there half my family it's right incredible and it's challenging to block that out and and fall back on your training and and not let you know the weight of the the idea that that you know this is a combat sport that you're 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 doing right you know competing in in, in front of everyone i i often wonder you know i've had boxers competing and it's it's always it's just a rush. Like there's just people and it's, it's so hard. I, I always wonder how they're able to, I've, I've had one bout in New York and it was mm-hmm. like, I, I, it just, yeah. it, it didn't bother me, but I could understand how it would bother people or, or get in your head a little bit. Julie, you've had a lot, you were in New York golden gloves where there's that Yeah, crowd. I mean, I think, well, the thing about haymakers is, you know, typically a person who is having their first time amateur boxing match it's in a gym or like an elks club or a boys and girls club or i thought in a gym in like a gymnasium right. a high school gymnasium in staten island like places like that you don't typically box in a concert hall in front of 2000 people where people you know paid a good amount of money yeah. to come and see you so you're you're walking into probably one of the biggest stages of your life which it makes me think of and ask, like, Reed, for, I mean, you were a college athlete and you played lacrosse. Comparing the two and the, those types of experience and like high pressure, high level games, how does it compare to having your having your fight night, your date, your amateur debut, your your one and only Ooh. fight yeah, night? Yeah. So, I mean, look, um, it's a similar feeling, I think, leading up to it, right? Like, you know, I, I played football growing up. I played lacrosse. Uh, there's always going to be the butterflies before you get in, right? Like, what if this, what if this team is better than me? What if, what if, you know, I don't have it today, right? And then play one kicks off and you're in it. I think it's, it's just a heightened version of that, right? Boxing's still a team sport, right? I had all my, my, my coaches in my corner. I had all of, of my training partners somewhere in the back rooting, rooting for me, but man, that, that's once you get in there and it's just you, those those butterflies don't don't exit quite as quite as quickly, right? Because you know, only takes one punch. You know what I mean, or or, or whatever. So it, it takes you over a little bit, right? And especially in that environment, I think for me, I just dove in like like a madman, right? Like you said, I was twisting and turning and moving my head and and things like that. And I think you know, if I had it to do all over again, I'd, I'd want to settle a little bit. You know what I mean? I, I really am proud of what I learned throughout the process. And, and I almost sometimes wish that I had a, you know, you look back on it and wish I had a, 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 
I think it's a, a pipe dream, but a way to like soak it up and, 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 and make that last for, for, for longer. Right. Like it's you train for four months or like you've said, Julie, six minutes and it goes by yeah. so fast. Six it's minutes. the longest and shortest mm-hmm. six, like it's a time warp completely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the longest time in my entire <laughs> life is the last 10 seconds yeah. of a round when, yeah. or like a, a, of a match when you're like, I need this to end and you hear the, you hear the clang and you're like, oh, that's 10 seconds. And nope, no, it's not. It's been two. So Reed, if you could tell someone who's about to embark on this four month boxing journey, one thing, what would it be? You have to commit to it. You really have to commit to it. Right. I think, um, another reason it was so meaningful to me is because I, I truly dove in both feet. It was, a, it was, you know, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the sport. I learned, you know, it, it just, it was life-changing for lack of a better term. Right. Like, and, and I don't think that the, that that would be true if, if I didn't take it seriously and I didn't dive in, right. Like you get out what you get into the thing. And, and if, and if you're only, if you're going to half-ass it, it's not going to mean as much to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, we tell everybody at orientation, I say, I sound like a broken record, but I say, pour your absolute heart and soul into these four months. You do not get them back. And the last thing you want to do when you're standing there waiting for the bell to go off is think, oh, I should have really gotten up a few more times and ran, or uh, I shouldn't have, you know, kept drinking those beers every night <laughs> or every week, you know? So you don't want to have any kind of second guess. You just got to, you just got to, you got to go. It's not time you get back. So I, that's a great, great piece of advice. When we return from the break, we're going to talk about how cancer has directly impacted Reed's family and who he was fighting for. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, to sign up to be one of our ass-kicking do-gooders, visit haymakersforhope.org. Round two. Let's talk about your connection to the cause. You were really fighting for someone who was fighting cancer. You had said at the end of your fighter page, above all else, it will be a success if this event inspires just one patient or survivor to keep fighting and never give up. Keep fighting. It was just yeah. a really powerful statement. Can you tell us a little bit about that and also a little bit about who you fought for? Cancer has impacted so many people and, and, and in particular, different forms of cancer took the life of my grandmother on my mom's side, my grandfather on my dad's side early in my life. So when I was in first grade, my, my grandmother passed pretty quickly. There was some traumatic stuff there. And then in seventh grade, my, my father's father passed from cancer. And, you know, you're a young kid, you, it, it's heartbreaking to not have those relationships, you know, and I look at some people like I've got friends whose grandparents are still alive. And I'm like, that's insane. I, mine passed 30 years ago. And I have to rely on during family times, the stories from my older cousins about, about my grandmother, because I did, I wasn't, I don't have memories of it. And looking back on it, it's just, you know, I I almost, I get emotional thinking about it. You know what I mean? And similar with my grandfather, you know, I have a few memories of him sitting in the corner, enjoying his, you know, at that point, I think there was eight or nine grandkids. Now there's 11, but, um, 
never got to a point where I got to really build a, a, a man-to-man relationship with him the way I see other families bonding with their grandparents. So that's, that's um, you know, something that I, I took into the fight with me. And, and I think a, a big reason why I took it so seriously, right? Like, it's not a joke. This whole event is intended to be in some way, shape, or form a representation on a volunteer basis of the fight that people go through with it they're not volunteering for. And actually, even more recently, the cause gets closer. One of my best childhood friends just overcame cancer this year. He was diagnosed with some cancer in January and went through intensive chemo and, and just became cancer-free, I think, in, in August or July. So um, fought him. through it, right? And, and you know, I don't – thankful that he did. You know what I mean? He's, he's still – he's got a long journey ahead of him, right, um, pulling out of that stuff. Yep. But, but um, proud of him for, for keeping on fighting. In our final round, we talked to Reed about becoming a fight manager for the upcoming Philadelphia event and why this city is perfect for Haymakers for Hope. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. Did you know there's more to Haymakers than just boxing? We also have opportunities for you to lace up your sneakers and run a marathon with Team Haymakers. Or grab your clubs and play in one of our golf tournaments. Visit haymakersforhope.org for more. Round three. You've become the fight manager for Philadelphia. So I'm going to have Julie explain just to our audience exactly what a fight manager does. So in the Haymakers organization, the fight manager is really that main go-to person that is in the city that the event is being held in. They're on the ground and they're that go-to person for not only the boxers, but also the trainers. And just to, to really be there and represent the organization and keep keep people involved and, and, and keep them up to date with everything that's, that's happening. Reed, how did you get this? How did this come about? I think it was just the perfect storm of somebody being in the new market that they wanted to come to. that uh, was involved with Haymakers a little bit prior to even fighting because I helped condition some of the fighting fighters who were training out of everybody fights a year or two before I fought in 2016 in 2018 I I trained and and cornered for Kayla Shea who fought I guess it was 2018 so I've kind of done it all and I've seen the Boston Haymakers you know rock and rumble and the bells turn into what it is today which is just an incredible experience and it's a huge alumni group like the amount of pride that I feel being a part of the alumni group um, is hard to put into words. What has been the main challenges of doing this? I think the main challenges have been, um, for me, making sure we have the right signups. You know, you go out there, you, you you put some flyers up. I talk about it as much as I can, right, to, to as many people as I can. Um, but are these people going to be committed? Are they in it for the right reasons? I don't always know that. For the people that I know personally that have signed up, I can I can say that and I can answer their questions and I can kind of start to play that that fight manager piece where it's like, look, we're not going to put you in there with a with an undefeated pro boxer to, to beat the snot out of you. Like there's a process right. here. Um, that's been the hardest piece is just making sure that it's quality too, quality signups, which is, you know, 
I think we're doing a pretty good job of it from the people that I've spoken to who are signing up. But I think I think truly think that's the hardest part is is getting the word out there to the right people. But I think we've taken the right steps, and obviously the the Haymakers Group has done this now for for so long. They're they're guiding me very well on that journey. The thing as a coach, the thing that I always just marvel at is matching up the boxers because I could see I could see that being a concern too. Who am I going to be matched up with? And I think I, I would think a lot of people worry about, or even during the training process, you could it's it's there, it's out there. There's the chatter like, who am I going to be matched up with? Is it going to be you know this killer? You know who's it going to be? And Julie has always done an incredible job. Everyone is really well matched. If they're not well matched, they don't. It doesn't go forward. Things get switched around a bit, and. That in itself is sec- is, a, is a big responsibility. Do you feel at all, and I'm trying to stir the pot here to get you competitive against Julie, could you do a better job than Julie does at this? My short answer is I could never do it as good as she's, she's got a decade of, so a decade of, of experience on top of me here. And, and you know, um, it's her ship, right? So, so as much as I care, I will never care as much as her because it's her ship, right? It's important to make good matches, but also the sizing up of each other, especially when we used to do orientations in person, <laughs> you could see everyone looking at each other and sizing everyone yeah. up. And that's just, it's just human nature. But to really, to really drive it home, I would say to everyone before fight night, say, listen, win, lose or draw, like, well, there can't be a draw, but you know what I'm saying. Um, win or lose at the end, you're doing something so amazing and it's not even going to be about that. And it's not about the person you're actually boxing. It has nothing to do with them. Sometimes people get so hyper-focused on that other person that they can't internalize to themselves what it means to be doing what they're doing. So, you know, that's, that's a key also as a fight manager is to remind people like it, it makes no difference. It makes no, it makes no difference. It's all about you. It's all about you. I never cared about anyone I was going to box because I looked at it like she had a headgear, two gloves and a mouth guard, just like me. And it was go time. I just knew what I could do and the chips fell where they may. So (laughs) echo that 100%. Like, does it really matter who you're fighting? Because are you going to take it easy if the person like you should be giving this your 100% no matter who it is and and trust us to match you up with the right person and as long as you do that right you give it your all what what else can you ask for i want to talk a moment about why philadelphia when philadelphia and how things are going so julie why philadelphia we have been talking about hosting an event in Philadelphia for years and years and years. It's a fight city. It, the movie lore, Rocky, I mean, that's what everybody thinks. It's on the top of their mind. And we have a great alumni who knows firsthand what it takes to go through the program and to get in the ring on fight night. He's committed to the mission. And I am really excited to pass the torch to Reed to carry it on in, in Philadelphia the event will be hosted on April 27th at the Fillmore Philadelphia. This will be the first ever Liberty Bell Brawl will be hosting in Philadelphia. So we're really excited to launch a new uh, launch a new market. We haven't hosted an event in a new city since 2019 when we opened DC. So we felt like it was time and it is just we have the perfect fit to to lead the charge. Reed, let me ask you a similar question. 
What makes you think that Philadelphia is the right place for the next haymakers to expand into? Julie mentioned it, right? It's a boxing city. You've got the Rockies. You've got Front Street Gym, um, legendary Front Street Gym from Rocky and Creed. A lot of pro fighters from here. I'm going to compliment Philadelphians as a people for being gritty and hardworking. Right here in Center City, right? We've, we've got a, a handful of boxing fitness gyms. You've got Rumble. There's, um, there was Everybody Fights, which is now 10 Hands. There's CKO, right? And then there's a ton of authentic boxing gyms that have amateur fighters fighting in them. I, I truly think it's the perfect environment for somewhere like haymakers to thrive on top of the idea that it's somewhere where look we're hop skipping a, and a jump from boston new york's right across the way right um it's a super easy transition for people who did it in boston to say i got buddies in philly people in new york i got buddies in philly There's people in dc i've got buddies in philly it just makes sense with all that being said i'm looking forward to the Liberty Bell brawl becoming quickly the most successful, most electric haymakers event that's held every year. I am certainly competing with Boston, New York, and D.C., whether they they know it or not. What has been the best part of Philadelphia, working in Philadelphia, being Philadelphia? (laughs) What has been the best part of that mixed in with this? Man, I, I think, again, like, somebody pinch me, wake me up type, type of thing here. Um, where, you know, I moved down to Philadelphia the first time to open the everybody fights Philadelphia location. And very quickly that same reputation that Philadelphia has in the boxing community, gritty people. No, it's not just boxing. It's the people here. They're hardworking. I would blown away by the people here. It very quickly became a very, the place became near and dear to my heart. Um, and now to, I guess, it's an easy transition, right, to now be bringing haymakers to hope to Philadelphia. Man, I feel like I'm making such an incredible impact on this town in the in the short time, uh, time that I've spent here, right? A year in 2019, and now I'm, I'm back to, to bring haymakers. Like, what an incredible opportunity to, like, I don't know, spread love and joy and, and positive experiences for this town. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, um, very thankful uh, for, for the opportunity for sure. That's so, you forget like the city of brotherly love and you are the perfect brother for this. That really, really That's really great. Appreciate that. So this leads into a final question of sorts. I don't necessarily want this to be the final question, but this is really, it's just a great segue into that. So why should someone sign up? So you're talking to a person at the gym, they they have all these like, well, uh, they're hemming and hawing. Why should they sign up for haymakers? Very hard to put into words um, because of how impactful the event should be, can be, is going to be in your life and the life of others, right? Like I said before, it comes back to that commitment. If you really do this and you commit to it, uh, it's going to be hard, right? You sh- if you're going into it, I think we talked about this, Julie, the other day. If you don't have questions or you don't have this fear or doubts, you might have a screw loose and we might not want you fighting anyway. Um, exactly, yeah. So... 
It's true. You should do it because you're going to find, you're going to learn so much about yourself through the process. You know, it almost comes back to like this internal motivation. You know, they always say, find your why, right? Like, well, mm. the why that you're going to get in the ring for this extremely powerful cause to, to impact the lives of so many others in this combat setting overnight becomes intrinsic motivation to get yourself out of bed early in the morning and to find the energy after work to work out. And when you do something like that and you do it for a sustained period of time, yes, you're raising money for a great cause, but also you're, you're proving to yourself that you can do this and that you did do it. And no one can ever take that from you, right? Like I stepped in the ring in front of 2000 people, trained my butt off to do it. Win, lose or draw. There's only a handful of people that have you know, you don't get that experience, right? Like there are right. pro fighters who fight hundreds of times who never make it to the level to fight at a sold out house of blues at a sold out Fillmore. It's, it's truly a once in a lifetime opportunity on like layers and layers of, of it, you know? Well, Reed, this has been a, a great conversation. I'm really excited about Philadelphia for our listeners that are, that want to help, that want to get involved. How can they donate to this? Absolutely. Uh, head to the Haymakers for Hope website, haymakersforhope.org. Uh, the fight card is up. Donate to your fighters. You can buy tickets there. Uh, come out and support uh, an amazing cause. It is a, a great choice for the next city. And really, I, I see nothing but good things coming out of this. And I'm really excited for you. And I'm really excited for the organization. And thank you for your time today. Of course. Thank you for your time. Thanks to... Haymakers for Hope for giving me a chance here. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We're grateful for your support. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast and tell a friend. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, sign up to fight to KO cancer, visit haymakersforhope.org. Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented and produced by Haymakers for Hope in partnership with Studio Pod Media. Our producers are former fighters Jordan McMillan and Julian Lewis. I'm Julie Kelly. And I'm Todd Buster Paris. You've been listening to Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell.